And welcome back to another episode of Code with Kingy, where we are previewing the second round of the Tri Nations. And helping me do all of that this time around is the brother Ben Mara. Now, I do have to start off by apologizing for not having an episode last week. Unfortunately, Uncle didn't have enough time to get around to doing one. But instead of that, I actually dropped an In the Sheds podcast with one of my other schoolmates, Vern Sorcephal. So if you haven't checked that one out already, please go back and listen to it. It's a really good yarn. But yeah, as for last week's action, I do cover off a bit of that uh, in the next 30 minutes, as well as casting our eyes, me and Ben's that is, to this week's action in Brisbane. So yeah, as per, a few talking points and some honest takes. Enjoy. So uh, thank you very much, Ben, Mace, for, for taking my invitation and running with it, bro. Um, so yeah, cheers to you. No, cheers for having me. So long time listener, first time caller type buzz. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate the support, and uh, I know you, you actually shared a couple of my um my podcasts on your on your own page, and I'm guessing it's probably picked up a bit of traction. I know you're quite a popular guy, both in Wellington and down in Otago. So yeah, thanks for that. But uh, in reference to what we're going to be covering this week, obviously the All Blacks had a pretty big win against the Wallabies last Saturday, 43 points to five on a wet night in Sydney. I mean, I throw the mic to you, bro. What did you take away from the third Wednesday Cup test? Yeah, it's obviously a good one for the All Blacks, but like, obviously pretty bad from the Wallabies as well. Like, I think that was kind of the main take home. I went back and watched it again after you asked me to come on, and it's like that first half was pretty uglier um, <laughs> from them. I mean, we scored what was it, three or four tries in the first half? I think three, and there probably could have been another three, two disallowed, and then that Moanga one just before half time, which could have easily been a try as well. So yeah, it could have been pushing forty points in that first first half. But I mean it was a good performance from the All Blacks. I think the main thing in comparison to the first well, it was fine last week, but in comparison to the first first game of the Bledisloe at least, um, we just like completely won that battle up front. And I'm not entirely sure if that was like on us or the Wallabies just not fronting. But I think that was the main thing and that obviously opened up a lot of space for our backs to show their skill sets and certain players like Rishi Mwanga to dominate. But yeah, I mean, it was good for the spectacle anyway, especially in the in the conditions. But yeah, yeah. how about you? What did you take from it? Um, yeah, obviously I was, I was, I was pretty chuffed with, with how the All Blacks played. Now the Wallabies were the poorest they'd been across the first three tests or across the three tests that we've played so far. We've still got one up our sleeve uh, this week in Brisbane. But yeah, like you, I mean, I know the All Blacks um, were a lot more thorough and a lot more aggressive up front, and that pretty much showed from the get-go. They dominated set-piece. Predominantly line-out time, I mean, the scrum was solid, but it wasn't overpowering like, like what we saw with the line-out, and I thought that with all that front football and, you know, Aaron Smith's crisp pass and, and, and the confidence that Moanga sort of had, you know, right from the start, you know, I thought the All Blacks did a really good job of taking care of him. I know that in the first couple of tests there was a lot of talk around the work that the Wallabies were doing to throw him off his games in terms of yeah. with a couple of the late hits, but it seems as if he, he just looked more comfortable from the get-go, and, and we'll get more to him, but yeah, I thought it was just a solid first up 40 minutes for the All Blacks, you know, starting from the hacker, I thought it was a hissing hacker, 
yeah. Um, but then at the same time, like you mentioned, the Wallabies were pretty poor. Now, they didn't miss 40 tackles like they did last week. They only missed 17. Yeah. I've done my calculations correctly. But, yeah, and, and a lot of what I put down to that, which is another point that I'll get to, is just the inexperience, especially in that back line. So yeah. if you go numbers 10, 12, 13, 14, I mean, the the 14 was the the flipper Dungunu who got the yellow card in the first 10 minutes. I mean, he, he came out and talked a bit of smack this week about how he was going to keep Caleb Clark under wraps, but yeah, I'm not sure exactly taking the guy out in the air and getting, you know, 10 in the naughty chair is, is the best way to go about that. And then, you know, you, you got a 10 and 12 on debut and then a 13 who, and don't get me wrong, he, he looks the part in that Jordan Pataro and there's been a lot of talk of him over the last couple of years in terms of him being the, the man for the Wallabies going forward yeah. and a, a cornerstone for them in their back line. But yeah, I, th- I think the lack of experience, especially in that 10-12 role, which was occupied by James O'Connor and, and Matt Tamua, who Although they are a bit long in the tooth, and I don't see them as the guys for the Wallabies at the next World Cup, I, th- I think yeah. it just showed. And um, unfortunately for Nick White, after you know having a, a pretty stellar performance in, in Bledisloe 1, he just hasn't been able to replicate that form. And I think in large part, that's been due to the forward packs um, and, and I guess the, the resurgence of the All Blacks forward pack to not maybe get punched in the face like they did in Wellington on you know on, on what was a, a similarly sort of drizzly um not sort of clean condition game, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you made the point to talk about Moanga and he, he scored a couple of tries and could have easily had um, a hat trick had it not been for a last minute ankle tap from the Wallaby fullback. He ended up finishing with 23 points. And yeah, it, I mean, we'd, we'd seen at the super rugby level, just what he was capable of tactically running the ball and even on defense. But for me, especially in that all back role, it just didn't seem like he'd sort of been given the full reign from Bowden Barrett in that dual playmaker system. And I think over the last couple of weeks, Bowden sort of lessened his influence or, you know, trying to come in and be the man and sort of left that to Mwanga. And he's just been popping up and doing more of a, a fullback centric role while also sort of, I guess, steering the ship in a way with his voice and whatever. Yeah. But yeah, for you, I mean, I've always been a fan of the dual playmaker role. So I'd, I'd be interested in your take on it and whether or not you think that off the back of what we saw last Saturday, whether it's the right system for us to run going forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm a fan of it as well. I've got to admit, I probably wasn't always. Like, it's probably a slight bias being from Wellington and just being a Bodhi fan. But, like, I was kind of, at World Cup time last year, I was kind of a fan of Bodhi at 10. And I I don't think that's why we lost the semi-final at all. We lost that semi-final because we got completely beaten up front by a pretty strong England pack. But, like, looking back, I don't know, especially as you say, it's taken a few games to, for Bodhi to kind of give hand the reins over to Moanga. It might have been too late to run that last year in World Cup year. Or even, did we even just start it in the World Cup or, like, pretty close to it? It might have been a bit too late to do that in hindsight, but obviously hindsight's, like, a pretty cool thing that we don't always get. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very easy to, to cast stones once something's been done. Um, and, I, and I think, like you mentioned... They did only implement the, the dual playmaker system last year, and I think part of that was not giving the rest of the world time to, to game plan for it. Yeah, true. Um, or, you know, at least that's what we thought, and unfortunately the England just had our number on that night in Tokyo. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but go on, bro. Like, have you got anything else to add around the, the playmaker yeah. system? And, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think we've known for a long time what is capable of. If you watch Crusaders play any time in the last four years, you know what he's capable of, pretty much. Um, and it was just a matter of him p- 
pulling that kind of performance out in the black jersey. And I think Saturday was kind of that was probably easier his best game in the, in the all black jersey. And that could be the like coming of Moanga. But I think the question mark still kind of remains of his ability to impact the game when the forwards aren't rolling forward so much because. I mean, he's played for the Crusaders his whole career, and that four packs never, never going backwards. Bodie, on the other hand, was probably pretty used to it because the Hurricanes were often going backwards at times early on in his career. And that first Bledisloe game, particularly, Moanga was pretty quiet, and obviously we weren't winning the games up the the battle up front as much in that game. And I don't know if that's like a fair criticism of first five because it's pretty hard for a first five to influence a game when the forwards aren't winning the battle up front but I think it's still like the jury's still kind of out on the experiment for me until it is successful against the likes of England and South Africa where the forwards are a bit bigger and more likely to take it to our forwards but um, yeah. I don't know if you agree with that but. No I mean I've had this argument with many a mate and a lot of them like you are Bowden Barrett fans and I'm definitely a Bowden Barrett stalwart I think he's Definitely more a first five than a fullback, but I think the the mindset last year for Steve Hansen and Co was that you've got the best player uh, in Super Rugby in Richie Moanga, who who had been for the past three years, and then you also had your best attacking player in Bowden Barrett, and so they had to find a way to have both the players on the field. Yeah. And I guess the difference this year is that we've seen the rise of Geordie Barrett and the influence that he can have from the back in terms of his long-range goal kicking. He's a lot. He's the biggest outside back that we have, so like it's not like he's going to get taken out in the air like maybe someone like a Damian McKenzie or you know players around those sort of minnow sizes might do. And so there wasn't really an argument as to whether or not we shouldn't have Bowden in the back. I mean, I know the case was made for Ben Smith, but. Uh, I think that after Perth, I think that was just a bit of an eye-opener into maybe him being a, a bit long in the tooth. And Yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah I mean, again, like hindsight's a big thing. I mean, like whether or not the All Blacks go back and they look to put experience in um, and instead of, I guess, the hand that they dealt. Uh, yeah, the hand that they were dealt and then, you know, the way that they played their cards. Sorry, not the hand. Where am I going with this? I'm mixing my words up, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, similar to you, I, I I am a fan of the dual playmaker system, and I think that it is the way to go going forward. But I, I do agree with your sentiment that we are yet to see Moanga put in a clinical performance against a side that has parity at, at all levels. But I, I think that what is worth mentioning, and is a point that my dad always um, gets to, is that if you look at some of the more important games that Bowden Barrett played in. Uh, at first five, where the All Blacks four pack weren't dominating up front. Now, don't get me wrong; he, he has, you know, he's the most X factory player probably that I've seen with my own um, my own pair of eyes in terms of his ability to break a game open and yeah. make something out of nothing. But I think I'd be lying if 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 I said that he was uh, a better tactician than Richie Wonga. I think that he's shown um, at the Super Rugby level, especially that he he's, he is probably a better kicker the ball. He's a better goal kicker, and he seems a, a bit more level-headed. Whereas with Barrett, even you know, I think that's part of the excitement that you have with with a guy like that. Is that I think even I don't think he knows what he's doing half the time, but because he chances his arm so much, you know, like um, Murphy's Law, it, it, it's going to come off for him yeah, more often yeah. than not because 
I mean, in, 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 you have to take into consideration yeah, that he's, he's, he's got his confidence there. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and Wonga does similarly, but I think that he, he tends to sort of rein that in a bit more, and I think that might be the, the sort of crusader in him. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I do but, think moving forward, I, I agree. I think it's definitely the right thing moving forward. And this far out, because realistically, all we were all like planning towards each time, apart from I think the last cycle was a bit different because we had the Lions series in 2017. But realistically, we're building for 2023 already. Um, mm-hmm. So this year is like, this is the right year to be like trying new combinations and seeing what will work. Because if this can like pay off for the next four years, then it's worth I don't know a bit of like a bit of growing pains, a bit of like teething and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Because Moanga is everyone knows he's capable of being like world class. Yeah, and I think the, one of the other big talking points with having Barrett at fullback or playing him at ten and putting Mochi Moanga on the bench is the fact that we do have a really, really awesome player playing out of position in Geordie Barrett. Yeah. Now, you know, I, now I, I do agree with um, probably most footy fans in that he's not, you know, your conventional winger and he, he does sort of look like a fish out of water. But yeah. I think the thing that I point to um, is the 2011 and 2015 World Cups. And if, and if you remember, the guys yeah. that we had on the wing, so if you go back to 2015, you had Nehemiah Scudder on the right wing. Mm-hmm. And then if you go back to 2011, you had Richard Kahui on the right wing. Now, neither of those guys were out-and-out wingers. I mean, Nehemiah Scudder was preferably a fullback, or he was so with the Hurricanes, and Richard Kahui was a centre. But yeah. they played those guys there because they were the safest options. Yeah. Now, I know that 2023 is a long way out, and Bowden Barrett's going to be going on a sabbatical next year, so I think that Geordie will probably get first dibs on that 15 jersey with his brother away. But yeah. I actually don't mind the idea of actually giving Geordie Tom in the saddle on the wing, building towards 2023, like you said, because I think that, I mean, and that's the thing, there's so much turnover with the outside backs that you just don't know who's actually going to be there in 2023. Yeah, it's very form-based, the outside backs. Like, last year, who was it? Sevier Reese and George Bridges were our wingers, and um, George Bridges got injured, obviously, but Sevier hasn't seen the, seen the field for the All Blacks this year. Exactly. So, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I mean, yeah, people. Yeah, I, I agree with. Yeah. I completely agree with the Geordie Barrett call. Um, that was like my about seeing the first All Blacks team of the year, seeing that fifteen. That was my favourite thing about it, seeing Geordie on the field, because I didn't think they were going to find space for him at all. Just the fact that I thought they'd stick to the ten, fifteen, Moanga, Bodie Barrett. But Geordie was for me one of the best players in Super Rugby. I said, oh, I think the most impactful player for the Hurricanes. And looking forward, I actually think he could like contribute in a like dual player, dual playmaker role, not as a first five, but as a playmaking fullback. Mm. I think he's got the skill set to do that moving forward. So I think he's just coming into his own, and maybe some of those areas that were present in his game early in his career, I think I think he's losing those now. And you've got to remember, he's only like twenty three. Yeah. Us, so that's, yeah, it's crazy. That's, yeah, he's, he's still pretty young, and he's been playing the All Blacks for three or four years now. So there's plenty more rugby ahead of him. Mm. No, no, I think that looking ahead to this weekend, um, and I'll leave this for the back end of the podcast. I think he will probably get a shot at fullback with the fourth Bledisloe's hash second round of the rugby championship being a bit of a dead rubber. But yeah, uh, on the on the flip side though, for the Wallabies, uh, they're number ten. You know, I mean. Just spoke about Richie Wonga, uh, but yeah, the Wallabies number ten, Noah Lolasio, he had a pretty forgetful night on the boot, despite dotting down for a fiver 
in the second half. And as we touched on um, as part of the intro, the inexperience was pretty evident from the get-go. And I just think that the young buck, although he wasn't flash himself, he probably wasn't aided by his forwards yeah. or his halfbacks. Now, I touched on in the podcast that I did with my old man, I was going to be curious as to what the Australians do with their 10 jersey going forward because I think that you can have all the class um, outside him, but if you don't have a solid... 10 and you know preferably a solid 9-10 combo um, I'm not sure like you're going to be able to get those awesome players outside them and in the four pack down the right areas of the field yeah yeah I mean I'm not sure that if, I'm not sure if you've followed too much of um, the Super Rugby over in Oz but no, yeah like, I haven't I haven't I haven't followed heaps but it sounds like he wraps it up like he got what man of the match in the final or something over there so, mm-hmm. is that right yeah um, I got a lot of sympathy for his position um it's only once you get a bit like what well, we're like twenty three now that you're this age you realise how young twenty years old is. Like that's crazy young to be starting a test match at um first five against the all blacks when your forwards are going backwards and your twelve is also on debut. That's like a that's a baptism by fire, right? Um <laughs> Yeah, well and truly. Like I, I actually feel like real sorry for him. because um, he's clearly like a really skilled player, the way he hit that ball it was just about the only time they had any go for it in the whole game. All Blacks were scrambling, but he hit that ball, like hit that line pretty well and to score that try. But um, he's just young, hey. And I think there's a bit of an experience shown, a bit of his option taking at times was was a little suspect. I think there was one where they had a little, they had a little bit of go for it, a few guys out wide, and he um he grubber kicked it. Grubber kicked it. Yeah. Yeah. Really forced yeah. The, yeah the, that one. Those are kind of just like telltale signs of inexperience, but. I guess those will come if they can nurture him properly, but that is kind of an if with Australian rugby as well because there's been plenty of like young talents that haven't quite kicked on the way they have like shown promise to in the past. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the thing for me now, I know that the Australian media have come out and said that James O'Connor should be fit for this weekend's game, but... Like, what would you do if you're Dave Rooney? Do you keep Lulisio in the firing line and hope that that sort of battle hardens him? Or do you pull him back in case you're thinking that he might get, you know, psychologically damaged, you know, with, with yeah. being sort of under that pressure at, at that age? I mean, what would you do if you were Dave Rennie? Yeah, there's there's definitely a balance to it. Eh? I did worry when the All Blacks, after that first game in the Bledslow, they dropped Rico, and I thought maybe they should have just doubled down on it and um, chucked him back in there and, like, allowed him to get some confidence again, especially, like, first game of, the year after a World Cup. I was exactly um, the same, bro. I was thinking, why not just give it another go? You clearly believe in this. Like, although that's different to what I necessarily thought. I thought Leonard Brown should have been starting anyways. But but yeah, I thought if you're going to do it, you may as well stick to it. For him, I would probably go back to O'Connor um, if, he's, if he's ready, if he's fit. Because I actually thought he was pretty solid in the first two games. But what you said is right. He might not. He's 30-odd now, so... Chances are he won't be in the 10 jersey come next World Cup. But I'd probably find a balance and start O'Connor. And then, I don't know, O'Connor can play pretty much any position in the back line. So you could shift him somewhere else later in the game and bring Olaseo on later. So you're not like kind of doing doing away with him fully. But also, I think it'd be pretty rough to chuck him in the 10 jersey again. Yeah. Especially because Tamua's not back. He's out there, like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, he's fully out for the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the exact same as you, bro. And I think off the back of what happened last weekend, I think that the rugby championship's probably a foregone conclusion. 
yeah. for the Wallabies. Uh, you know, even if they were to pull off an upset this weekend, I don't think that I think the All Blacks will probably end up putting more points on the Argentinians than they would. So I don't think it's worth the risk of keeping him out there for the sake of you know battle hardening him. And uh, yep, even though James O'Connor is is only thirty years old and he might not make it to the next World Cup, it, it might just end up being a bit of a, a mentor sort of role for him where you keep him out there and, and you let you know Noah Lollaseal sort of look at him from the sidelines and you know look at him at training and see what he does and then hopefully going forward and building off what was like you mentioned a pretty solid Super Rugby Australia campaign for him he takes that confidence into next year where yeah. they, they play more teams than just the All Blacks four times yeah, in a row yeah. I mean that, that yeah that's a that's a pretty rough gig but um, going back to the All Blacks though I, I know a lot was made of the back play now I mean, yeah, Richie Mwanga was the man. I mean, Caleb Clark um, had, had a pretty strong outing himself. But yeah, for me, some of the unsung heroes from looking back at that game weren't actually the guys that, that got a lot of the plaudits. So, I mean, I point to someone like a Sam Whitelock and a Shannon Frizzell who yeah. really got stuck into a lot of the dirty work. And I guess, I guess the question I want to throw at you is that, yep, I know that we've only played Australia so far, but are you liking what you're seeing from our, our new All Black number six? And yeah. I mean, like even the pairing um, that we've seen with, with, with Tupo Vaya coming, the young lock, you know, the, yeah. and even Hoskins Satuto. I know, I know a lot of talk has been around his skill set and his ability to do the flashy stuff, and he's almost like an extra back in the fourth pack. But I thought that his performance was more solid than spectacular, and I think that more sort of is the I, I guess the influence of the All Blacks coaching staff, you know, getting them to do specific roles rather than maybe what they're allowed to do at the Super Rugby level. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting point about like Hoskins Tatu because I I was kind of following like as you do his first start. I was kind of following him. He did all his core reels really well, but like it's it's quite hard to stand out when the whole full pack. And like you said, it was, it was clearly like a backs dominated game for the All Blacks. Like all the backs stood out, but it's because the forwards did their job. It's kind of hard for anyone in the forwards to to stand out in that kind of game because they're all playing well. They're all like rolling forward. They're all getting go forward. But yeah, I thought they all did a really good job. I think Frizzell has been really good. He was really good in that Auckland game, a couple of turnovers early, and was good again on the on the weekend. But um, yeah, like you say, I said it earlier. It's similar to what I think about the um, nine or the ten fifteen combination. The jury's still out, particularly in the forward play, until we kind of play against those bigger forward packs. Because I mean, Aussies never really been known for their physicality or anything like that and that's the kind of area we're most likely to get caught out because I mean we'll beat anyone for skill I think but if we're not winning that battle up front that's where we might get caught out and that's where we have been caught out in the past so I was like yeah like you've got to be happy with what they've done on the weekend and you can only play as your opposition but it's still a bit of a wait and see for me on that front at least what do you mm-hmm. think yeah I, I have to retract on what I said about Shannon Frizzell a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I, I did come out of the game uh, in the review podcast and point to him, even though he you know, did have a couple of turnovers and I think was given like a 7.5 out of 10 by the by the stuff rugby writer who gave the player ratings out straight after the game. And I pointed to the fact that I didn't think he had physically imposed himself the way that he had done at the Super Rugby level, and I think yeah. I, I do have to take a lot of that back and, and look to the fact that he has only been in the All Black environment, what, two years now? 
Yeah. And I think that in the, in that sixth role, I've set such a high standard off the back of some some pretty awesome number sixes that we've had in previous campaigns. Yeah. That you know I I, I do have to you know like take a step back and be like, hey, you know this guy's not probably going to be given the same license that he has been given by Aaron Major and Tony Brown and Co down south that he is in the All Black four pack, and a lot of that stuff has more so being pushed towards, you know, you know, your Adi Saviers in terms of with your ball carrying. And I think that I do have to probably give him a bit more time to find his feet. And again, like you said, I thought that the, the four pack were a lot more in unison uh, on Saturday. And while I don't think that Sam Whitelock is going to stick around maybe till the next World Cup, I mean, I mean, who knows? I mean, that, that yeah, guy, that guy is yeah, pretty old. Yep. And, and, but he is a machine. And I mean, athletes are playing, you know, till they're, you know, you know, close to 40 in, in some other sports. So I, I don't want to write him off because I think that he is, uh, or he is going to be a key figure for the All Blacks over the next year in terms of how we develop that locking department because we are in there. And I'm hoping that uh, what we saw at Patrick Tuipulosu in glimpses so far, but more so in Super Rugby Aotearoa, that he then builds off that and he grows with the captaincy that he has at the Blues. But yeah, like you said, Again, the jury is still out until we play the likes of England and Ireland, a South Africa where a lot of their players dictated in their forwards. Yeah. And I, I think the beauty of with, with the All Blacks is that the All Blacks only need to find parity yeah. because I think yeah. that our skill set uh, is otherworldly in comparison to some of the other teams trucking along right now. I think the only one that who I think could really play ball with us is probably the French. Yeah. And I know that they've done really, really well in the under twenty World Cups over the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah. So they might be the the team to watch, building towards you know being the host nation at at the next Rugby World Cup. But yeah, I, I think that you know we've seen steady progression over the last three tests. I mean, like you prop besides losing that first test, I don't think things could have got gone any worse for Ian Foster uh, in terms of both like on the park and. You know the, the shellacking he got from the media straight after, but you know the All Blacks built at Eden Park. You know that you know they never really lose here. They extended their win streak there, and then I think for like the first time in like twenty odd years, they or for the, for the first time since they've retained the Bledisloe, they've they've won the Bledisloe over in Australia. So I guess that's another a box ticked um, from a historical factor, and the fact that Ian Foster's got his name beside that will only bode him well, but. Yeah, with the Bledisloe wrapped up for another year, um, that does give the All Blacks coaching staff the chance to experiment or have a bit more flexibility with their 23 this week. So what sort of combinations would you like to see going into, quote-unquote, uh, a dead rubber? Yeah, I think we'd all like to see it mix, mix some things up a bit. Um, it's always exciting when you see new players in there. Like you've seen Caleb Clark coming and kind of rip it up, and that's pretty awesome to watch from a spectator's perspective. We talked about it earlier, but um, Geordie at fullback would be one for me that I'd really want to see. Whether that means Bodie gets pushed to the bench or into 10 or something like that, I think they may have mentioned that Bodie will get some time at 10 at some stage as well. I don't know, just to keep things fresh. But um, maybe that's the case where Geordie gets a run at fullback and if that makes room for someone like a Will Jordan, then that would be pretty cool. Um, I think everyone's waiting to see Will Jordan unleashed uh, on the world stage. Mm-hmm. But then also, I suppose, there's Sibu Reese and guys waiting on the wing as well. So, Rico's probably knocking on the door as well. And um, 
yeah, we talked about it earlier. Maybe it is a case of bringing Rico into centre as well. They clearly see that as something to work towards long term. So um, now is probably a good time to try that against decent opposition and maybe build some more confidence again after what happened in Wellington. In terms of the forwards, it's probably good to... Scott Barrett probably needs some more minutes, I think, because he's coming back from injury, but I think he's a pretty important part of our four-pack, particularly without... Um, it seems like Brody Vitalik's not going to be... He's just sort of been in and out for quite a few years now. Um, we almost shouldn't really rely on him, and if he's there, it's cool, but if not, we've got to look at other options. So Scott Barrett being fit and playing well is probably pretty important, so good to see him get a start and this is another like slight bias one but I thought after the first game in Wellington where we didn't necessarily win that that battle up front um, I thought it might have been a good opportunity to bring Asafa Almora in just because I viewed Cody Taylor and Dane Coles as quite similar hookers they're like both really dynamic and good ball carriers but they're not necessarily like super physical if I, if you agree with that and I think that's like something different that Asafa is obviously a really good ball runner as well, but he's got like a, a certain physicality that the others I don't think have, which would have been cool. Obviously that would have been kind of drastic, uh, drastic after one game to bring in, bring him in then, but I don't know, that was what I was thinking after that game. And this is probably a good opportunity to bring him possibly into a bench role or maybe even start just to see how he goes. But yeah, those I suppose Artie will come back as well. But yeah, that's kind of what I've been thinking about seeing coming forward for this week. Mm-hmm. You yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with with, with a lot of the the combinations that you mentioned. I think I'd like to have uh, Jordy go to the Jordy go to the back somehow. Football Jordan in there, give Rico another opportunity at thirteen. But then I think that oh, if you're going to play Rico at thirteen, I'd like to see him played with Antolina Brown. I think yeah. that Jack Kutu has really struggled for form since that midway point in Super Rugby Aotearoa and I'm not sure he's my preference to have in the 12 jersey going forward yeah. now if you if you because I think that Anton Leonard Brown's well and truly established himself as you know the glue guy or you know that Conroy Smith type where you can sort yeah. of pair him with anyone and he's going to play really well that, that sort of yin and yang that you know we, yeah. we've become so accustomed to as All Blacks fans now whether or not that's him playing at 12 and Rico at 13 or potentially Nani Lamapi at 12 because he brings a, a different dimension to the All Black game than uh, any of his contemporaries. Another one in the backs that I'd like to see thrown in there, um, off the back of a decision that was made by one of his teammates, is, is I'd like to see Brad Weber thrown into the mix. Now, whether or not they save that for the Argentinian test, that may be uh, Ian Foster and Co's thinking, just because TJ's not going to be there next year, uh, similar yeah. to Bowden Barrett with the sabbatical. So I think I'm also point towards this game because I just think that the, the Wallabies will, you know, I think they'll want to show a bit of pride this week, you know, of the spanking that they got. And yeah. I just don't think that the, whatever team is thrown out by the All Blacks against the Argentinians, it's going to be quite as competitive considering how undercooked the ARGs are with their lack of preparation and then the travel coming all the way over to the side of the world. Yada, yada, yada. But yeah, yeah those those would be my picks. And, and I guess that's the thing. We're sort of sport for choice considering, you know, how much great talent we have and, you know, and what a rich vein of form they're all in. I mean, you, you point to Sever Reese, who was, you know, the the bolter out of Super Rugby last year, and now he can't even get a look. And you know, we, we're pointing to his teammate who was demoted to the bench, and Will Jordan, to, you know, to get to get a gig ahead of him. So, 
I guess that, like you said, that's telling of just how big a revolving door our, our outside backs can be here in New Zealand. But looking more so to the forwards, yeah, I think that Artie will probably get his opportunity back to start in, in, in that number eight jersey. A guy that I'd like to see thrown out there is Cullen Grace. Yeah. He's another young one who I think has a has a lot of potential and similar to Hoskinson too. To be, he's a big, tall frame, so he's an extra line-out option. And again, I think that throwing him in against the the Wallabies, you know, whether or not that's a starting gig um, or, or some somewhat of a bench role, uh, that, that's just something that I'd personally like to see because he was one of my favourites um, off the back of Super Rugby Aotearoa and and the pre uh, pre COVID Super Rugby competition. Uh, you, you mentioned Scott Barrett; he's another one who I think was, you know, um, he, he left a lot to be desired um, from his game time on Saturday. But again, in fairness to the guy, he hadn't played a lot of rugby in the past, what, close to six months. So I think that, you know, he is understandably given a get-out-of-jail-free card, um, even though the All Blacks won. And then, yeah, looking towards the forwards. Now, I don't know a lot about prop play, but, you know, maybe this is another opportunity to give Tyrell Lomax a start. I don't know. Um, but then, yeah, especially in that hooker role, I think that this is the perfect opportunity to get a Safawar more in there. He's worked a lot on his, his his core roles as a hooker in terms of getting stuck into the dirty work and you know executing at line out time, which has sort of led him down in the past. But now I think that off the back of what was a, another strong Super Rugby campaign for him, um, especially with the absence of, of Dane Coles for the patches of it, that yeah, like like you mentioned, that he just brings a, a different dynamic to that hooker role. I, I think he's probably equally as quick as Dane Coles, but he just has that little extra beef on him, and he's just a Although, you know, Dane Coles is, is really niggly and I guess intimidating in his own right, um, I guess if I had to choose between tackling and, and running down their channels, I'd, I'd definitely go Dane Coles yeah. rather than Almore. <laughs> yeah, I think Coles was really good on the weekend as well. That was probably one of the best games he's played for the All Blacks in some time. But yeah, I think it's just like it's it's a great opportunity with the Bledisloe locked away to to try some of the new guys, try some of the young guys and see how they do against like pretty good opposition. But at the, same, at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't do too much, given it's still only, what, round two of the Tri-Nations or Rugby Championship, whatever they're calling it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going back to the Tri-Nations, eh? I swear I haven't said that since, like, the, uh, the Rugby 08 days, which, would, which yeah. you know, would have been, like, intermediate, you know, yeah. if not even earlier. But, yeah, depending on what they do with their team, bro, um, what's your prediction for this weekend? Now, again, team, we are only... Recording this on a Tuesday night, so you know who knows what will play out for the rest of the week. We have no ideas what the Wallabies are doing, but going off what we saw and you know what we think is going to happen, or even what we'd like to see, do you expect the All Blacks to dish out another hiding, or do you think it'll be a bit closer in Brisbane um, this Saturday? Yeah, I think it'll be a bit close. I don't expect it to be that big a win again, and um, I don't think. I mean, I think I'm expecting Dave Rennie to give him a bit of a kick up the ass to be honest um he's doesn't have a pretty has a pretty low tolerance for like poor performances really it seems um from what i've gathered about him when coaching the chiefs in the first few weeks with the wallabies but um yeah i'm still expecting the all blacks to win probably i'd say about 10 to 15 um they seem to be kind of hitting their straps a bit now after a scratchy start and um i think the uh, the wallabies would have to do something pretty special to stop there so I'd say yeah all blacks by about 10 to 15 to be honest 
Yeah, I'm going to agree, bro. I'm going to tip the All Blacks to go 13 plus. I thought that they were, I think that off the back of that, that first 40 minutes, I think it just showed what they're capable of. And I think that the All Blacks would have taken a lot of confidence out of the fact that they've secured the letters low. You know, they, they scored some pretty hissing tries, and I think they've just got the, the psychological edge back that maybe they were missing after that first game and maybe weren't so quite convinced themselves after that second, you know, considering you know, they were they were playing at Eden Park. But I think the fact that they've come over to Australia and, and done the business and, and now head to Brisbane, which I think will hopefully be a drier track. Now, I think that the Wallabies can't get any worse on defence as they were in that first half in Sydney. But, yeah, I think that the All Blacks will still end up winning this game convincingly. So... Yeah, that's um that's a wrap of the the round two preview for the rugby championship, or as you said, the Tri Nations, whatever they're calling it. I mean, I don't even know. I should know. I'm code with Kingy, so I'll make sure that you know by the time we get to the review of this, I'll, I'll know what to call it. But similar to my sentiments at the intro, bro, I really appreciate you taking some time out tonight to, to join me on the show. Uh, and yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll touch base with you. Sunday, depending on how large your Saturday night is, <laughs> um, to to get um, the review done and chuck it out to our listeners, uh, you know, all, all your fans, both in, in Wellington and Otago, and then just really my um, my mum and dad and maybe my siblings if they've got some time to listen to it. So, yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Cheers, bro. All right, man. Catch you later. See ya.